Welcome to episode 22 of Atlan. I'm Barry, and he's Christian. This is our bi-weekly podcast where we pick a topic to discuss long enough to get a good convo going, but not long enough so that you turn us off in frustration. Hopefully. This week, it's only been the most foreshadowed thing to happen in 2019. Ever since Infinity War ended and we left the theater Sad and melancholy, like we actually lost a real-life relative. We've been wondering how in the world the Marvel Cinematic Universe will find a way to resolve this 11-year storyline with Avengers Endgame, Christian. So it hasn't even been just 2019. This might have been the most anticipated movie since 2018 after the first one. And we did lose friends. We lost about half of our friends from this one so there was a lot of hype to build up for this movie and i was just more excited to see if it would live up to that hype yeah and especially once i saw the time being three hours and two minutes it's something that we've been wanting and thinking about for a long time now especially with infinity war Infinity War, I think, was just short of three hours. I think it might have been two hours and 40 minutes. And they, from what I heard, that they cut down their film from over three hours and wondered, well, what, what are they going to do with this movie? Because there's a lot of storyline that they need to fix and address. And the fact that it was over three hours, man. And I don't know if we wanted it to be three hours. We just didn't want to miss any of the experience. Right, because a three-hour movie—that's one heck of a commitment. You're right. You go in there and it's daylight, and sometimes you come outside and it's dark. You know, lives change in three hours. <laughs> we went in at ten, yeah, about ten o'clock on Thursday night for our movie. We ended up getting out at one thirty because of previews and whatnot, and. It was a good use of time, but it was also a long time. Like Even if you pee before the movie, at some point you're going to have to pee again. About the same experience for me. Went in about 9.55. Didn't actually have too many previews. I think there's only about three movies, four movies. And so if I had to count, maybe about 10 to 15 minutes. And we got out about 1.15 in the morning. But... I'll go ahead and let our listeners know we will be talking about the movie. We will be talking about plot points, what happens at the end. We'll be talking about our ideas for the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it should go without saying that there will be spoilers in this episode. If you've been following me on Facebook, you know I've been spoiling the movie since Thursday night. So you already know what it is. 
I'm gonna I'm I'm not gonna lie, Christian. I that really strained our friendship when I saw that for a second. I wasn't sure what to think about you after that. <laughs> the friendship and the partnership, because I did it completely unauthorized. By the way, I'm just I just went rogue on that. Let's add to that. So we talked a little bit about our what was the actual theater experience so you got there around 10 o'clock what what was the actual the other people in the theater like you know with these releases you usually get the people that are cosplaying and super excited but i feel we've had enough of these to where the crowd was mostly calm the only person i saw in costume was one of the guys that was working at the theater a lot of people were wearing marvel t-shirts Captain America, Iron Man t-shirts, but there was only one person I saw, at least that I paid attention to, in our actual theater that was in costume. But everyone seemed excited, because once again, over a year's worth of anticipation went into this, so... Okay. It was about the same on our side, too. It it is kind of weird to remember that there was a time that this wasn't a thing. That this really in the last decade became a cultural phenomenon to the point that it seems pretty ordinary now. So it was the same in my theater. There wasn't anybody dressed up. We did see one guy with a Captain America shield coming from a, a previous theater. And outside of that, just Marvel t-shirts, same Black Panther, Iron Man, Captain America. You did have a, quite a few people anxiously waiting for the movie, talking about plot threads. And I did have to cover my ears going to the bathroom before the movie started because you had another group who just saw the movie who was talking about what was happening. I kind of had to run past them with my hands over my ears. That might be another reason why the anticipation goes down. Because remember, once upon a time, there was the midnight release. Like We have this movie playing... In all of our in all of our rooms at midnight, so we all saw it at the same time. We got there at ten, and there was already a group of people, like you said, coming out of the theater talking about blankety blank happening in the movie. And this was at ten o'clock, so I can't even imagine the people that got there at midnight to watch the movie on opening day. Yeah. So we mentioned that there would be spoilers in talking about our opinion of the movie, but just for those who at least at the very minimum want to know if the movie is worth seeing, I don't know what I don't know what else to tell you, but without spoilers, Christian, what did you think about this movie overall? All right, so first off, what I think about the movie is if you haven't seen it by now, you playing And you can just go on and listen to the spoilers because you didn't plan on seeing the movie anyway. Oh, that was it. Okay. (laughs) So. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, I really enjoyed it without giving too much away. It is the ultimate payoff, especially if you have been following the movie since Iron Man. And building towards the anticipation of the first Avengers movie through the highs and the lows of the MCU. 
this is the ultimate payoff for that. Um, the fighting sequences are great. The usual charm of the Marvel movies is there. It's a very serious situation while also injecting some much needed comedy throughout it. So I would say it's the great balance of what you normally get from Marvel movies. And it is actually the payoff that you've been looking for if you've been following it. I'm going to echo those sentiments. That was a really well put together, spoiler free synopsis. The set pieces are there. The moments between the characters that you've been following for a decade are there, a decade plus now. The conclusion is there. The resolution is there with enough sprinkling of wondering what's going to happen in the future as we'll, we'll cover later on in our review. And honestly, the swell of emotion, which I guess is also something we'll get to, but I'll even say that if, if you've just been following since the beginning of Phase 3 with Thor Ragnarok, if you've been following since Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, I think you'll still get a lot out of this movie. Infinity War, if, you, if you've started since that period, I think that this is a movie that even if you don't know the full scope of everything, they do a really good job of spelling out the stakes and why it's so important that our heroes come out on top. And yeah, man, go see this, please. With that being said, if you've been following this from the beginning and you haven't seen it yet, you are still playing. So listen to the spoilers because you didn't care at all. Yeah, so, all right, with that being said, we are going to cover spoiler territory in five, four, three, two, one. All right, you've had plenty of time to turn off this podcast. And block so me on Facebook at this point, I guess. And I almost did that, too. <laughs> they so were very harmless spoilers. I, I have to say, they were very harmless spoilers. I did... It was very popular on the internet that Ant-Man was going to shrink down, crawl into one of Thanos' orifices, and then grow. That didn't happen. So I had to let the world know that didn't happen. Yeah, and that sounds more like a Mortal Kombat fatality than anything <laughs> that would happen in the Marvel Universe. But let's, uh, let's get into the pros of what you liked about the movie and I guess at a convention I'll start first I usually let Christian start first because on that point of what's usual of a Marvel movie staying on that line of thought there was a couple of scenes in this movie that I didn't see coming as far as how dark it got within maybe the first 30 to 45 minutes of the movie they find Thanos if you remember from Infinity War him snapping his fingers and getting rid of half of all life across the universe. He went to retire on a farm planet that he'd always talked about. And they were able to find that out from Nebula. And they find him and they Thor decapitates him. And you're like, oh, well, this is only 30 minutes in. What happens next? And, I th- and not even, not to cut you off, not even him. It's a broken version of himself so there's definitely no payoff in the killing of thor i mean in there's no payoff in the killing of thanos when he first dies yeah and i liked how they set up the story like that because 
you didn't feel any satisfaction from that. There was no coming back from the fact that all half of the Marvel cast that we've started to like was gone. What happened to the universe stuck. And I like the fact that you were kind of just left there trying to wonder what was going to happen later. And speaking on another couple of pros, I guess I just have to go ahead and talk about the interrelationship between those who remain. So Iron Man and Nebula got rescued by Captain Marvel, who did such a good job in this movie of, you recognize her being one of the most powerful characters, probably between her and Thor and maybe Hulk. Uh, not in this movie, as we as you see later on, but such a good job of just being a dominating presence without being a plot device. Something that I liked a lot. And I don't want to. I guess we can kind of go back and forth on pros, Christian. But one more thing for me is just one of the things that I always wanted to see that I was so happy to see once Captain America got involved was just. Their interplay, Iron Man and Cap's interplay between what happened because Cap was involved in the fight on Earth with Thanos and Iron Man wasn't. So it was very realistic that Tony was very much not willing to initially just be involved in the plot to try to figure out what's going to go on, especially when you're talking about time travel. And I, I like the fact that there was, it wasn't just a superhero, hey, let's, let's, let's do this. So, I don't know how to put it. I did like that everyone was in the movie, right? If they were in a Marvel movie at any point, at the end, they were there. The The building up of the team... Remember, we're in the pros. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then, yes, I, I have to <laughs> agree with you on that. I, I'll stay away from the negative at that point and just agree... Yeah, I was I was pretty much just getting to the building blocks of when you talk about building the team, it felt like everybody had a purpose in this movie. One of the things that I was very curious about was how they were gonna handle Bruce Banner in this movie, considering what happened in Infinity War. Sort of like what they did last time. Hulk came in Thanos beat the brakes off him. All right, <laughs> that chess piece is off the table. In this movie, they did a molding of the Joe Fixit Hulk for my comic book readers was a version of Hulk that was both intelligent and strong, but nowhere near as strong as the regular Savage Hulk. Right. And I like how they handled that as well. And yeah, every character played a purpose. I liked what they did with Ant-Man. Because if you read anything about what movies to watch, if you missed anything in the timeline, what movies you want to watch beforehand, Ant-Man isn't really on the list of movies to watch, or Ant-Man and the Wasp. So it was really a payoff for him to kind of show up and be pivotal in the plot. And having watched the Ant-Man movies be pivotal. Black Widow gets a lot of heat for using guns in a series where people have superpowers. And she ended up playing a pivotal role. All of the characters had some kind of significant impact on the movie. So I thought that was great. So let's talk about 
time travel and let's talk about their solution for handling Thanos because what he had currently done there was no way for them to undo without radically changing their timeline possibly for the worse their plan was after finding out that Ant-Man was alive and finding out about the quantum universe something that in the Ant-Man movie and in Ant-Man and Wasp they did a pretty good job of explaining it they're going to use that to time travel back to very specific points in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to take the stones and have to replace them right back at those points to not mess up the time stream. There were some points that I did want to talk about the time travel stuff on the con side, but we'll stay on the pros. Okay, okay, okay. I, I, I'm sorry. I have to abandon you at the time travel as a pro. So. <laughs> okay well speaking of that what I wanted to cover was I thought that that was a good point to look back at various touch tones in the Marvel Universe getting back to when you mentioned people who've been following this for years and years even for the people who didn't you got a chance to see what happened in Avengers you got a chance to see what happened in Doctor Strange and it was a good call back to all those moments just along the entire Marvel lineage. I just thought that that was a good callback for everything. Oh, yeah. Definitely some gems in there, especially when they start time traveling and Thor gets to see his mom in her final hours. Um, You get to see the progression of Captain America pretty well, too. From Avengers one to where he is now post I guess one and two Avengers after Civil War he's a bit more um what word would you use to describe it grounded melancholy I would say you you kind of get this tone of regret for the first time in his character for somebody who's supposed to be so optimistic when he was doing the, I would call it, support group for the people who were left over from the, the Thanos' snap of his fingers with the Infinity Gauntlet. And just mentioning to people that you have to learn how to move on. And he's giving those, that advice to other people, yet he's not doing it. As he mentions to Black Widow later on when she's talking to the Avengers that remain across the world. There's a sadness here that really hasn't been present in any of the other movies that I think Chris Evans as an actor conveyed very well. Yeah, and with the whole snap, not to get too grim or off topic, but the result of the snap not being entirely negative, I kind of enjoyed that as a plot element because when Steve meets up with Black Widow He even says that he saw a whale in the bay, which, because there's fewer ships, there's less pollution. And even with Tony moving on, living a more remote life and having a daughter, there actually were some benefits to what Thanos did. Which I think made it very interesting upon Tony coming back and Cap and the group trying to convince him of because of his expertise to get involved with their plan and they're just initially being 
a resistance to it. And this is where I think Pepper Potts, uh, the, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, I think that's Gwyneth Paltrow, the actress that plays Pepper Potts. She hasn't really had a voice or a really big role in the last couple movies, but I think she had a very good performance here as kind of being the linchpin for even getting Tony involved. If she had said no, Tony would have just been okay with it. And not and we can go ahead and go farther ahead and just go ahead and saying when Tony dies at the very end, I thought it was very powerful for Pepper just to say, You can rest now. Everything that you've been trying to do has been accomplished. And I thought this was a really good ending to her arc as well. Yeah. And also and also a good call out to earlier when she says when he says he could give them the secret or just put it away and go to bed, she says, but would you be able to rest? And now that he's gone through all that, he can rest now. That's a good point. So let's push forward then as far as pros. And we mentioned earlier the set pieces, right? Mm-hmm. One con that I had from Infinity War was outside of the Hulk fight in the very beginning, you really never got a chance to see Thanos let loose. So in the introduction of Thanos from an earlier timeline, I believe it was from 2009, and him being becoming aware of time travel and being able to utilize Nebula to cross over to the Avengers mansion, and just seeing him sitting there when Nebula asked him, well, what are you going to do? I'm just going to wait. And just being able to know his intelligence, know I know they're going to come to me. And that's just that point of Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America approaching him to fight. And just the choreography that happens afterwards with Thor, with Cap, and with Iron Man. I, I think that that had the right gravitas needed for that moment. You've been waiting for that for years. Yeah. Thanos was, I'm trying to find the most eloquent and efficient way to say it. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the words, that dude. <laughs> I, I think that's the most fitting way to put it. I, this guy went toe-to-toe with Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America at the same time. By the way, this is Thor with two hammers. Iron Man with the with the nano uh what do you, what do you call it nanobot yeah, nanobot armor and also a Captain America wielding Thor's hammer which I also like more of a personal thing than a plot pro I had it was just a me seeing Captain America wield Thor's hammer was a good thing for me I enjoyed that oh yeah and speaking of callbacks, remember d- during that party scene way back when they're all trying to lift Thor's hammer and Cap almost lifted it and Thor got nervous. That was a great callback to that. <laughs> I knew he could do it, but that wasn't enough. <laughs> that was not enough. One thing about Thanos is he would throw hands with anybody, even uh, Carol Danvers showing up. In my head, I just knew it was over. I just knew it was over. This is Captain Marvel. She's the strongest. Of, oh, oh, he used an Infinity Stone. Okay, yep, she's down. Which was a very smart way of recognizing how powerful she was. 
but still showing why Thanos could beat her. I like I like that. They never made her seem overpowered, which I, I I enjoyed. And then of course the set piece of when all seemed lost after he essentially destroyed Cap Shield and Doctor Strange showing up with everybody back and the entire my entire theater clapped and cheered and myself included. It just was a really good set piece. And of course, the set piece for all the female heroes getting together and making me remember just how many female heroes are in Marvel, which I thought was very dope. Right. So, there is a pro in there. And there's also a con that I had. As you mentioned before, the character positioning and setup for the main Avengers was great the ones that were there for a majority of the time, it all made sense. They didn't just, you know, pull anybody out. A quick con that I had with that, though, is that it only makes sense if you watch the after credit cutscenes. Because from the other movies, you have to watch the after credit cutscenes because it tells you how Captain Marvel got there, what her relationship is to everything, which I think if you've invested this much time into the franchise, you're doing anyway. But the story of her bringing Tony Stark back to Earth is a little convoluted until you wrap your head around the fact that Nick Fury's beeper has already gone off. They've already called her there. That scene with her breaking into... The Avengers compound has already happened. So if you put that in there, it makes more sense. True. Uh, you know, although that could be a con of all the movies if you don't stay for the end credits. But I, I can see how that can be confusing and you just have to be forced to kind of go with it just for the sake of moving the plot along. So, yeah, I can I can see that. And uh, let's let's get into some of the cons now. We've we we spent a lot of time praising the movie. And I know I had to stop you twice on two things that you wanted to get into. So I'll, I'll let you lead this part off. What were some of the cons that you had with the movie? Okay, so like a Joe Budden disc, I'm going to start with love. This was an amazing payoff. If you've been following the story since the beginning, you got everything you wanted. You got the epic battle scene. You got to see the exchanges among all of these different characters. You got to see them come back. You got to see the passing of the gauntlet as an experience. It was great. Now, as a movie, if you really consider the writing and everything, it kind of lost itself. And my major, major flaw with it is the time travel element. Mainly because I feel that when you start doing time travel, you pretty much throw the logic out the window. Especially for the way that they did time travel. It seemed to have created more problems, which I guess could open up the realm to more stories later. But it seemed to create more problems than solutions. I think... For most people who look at the story with a critical eye, I think the time travel portion is just going to be one of those type of things that you will just take at face value just for the sake of the overall story. But I can, when the ancient one, Doctor Strange's previous 
Well, Doctor Strange's master and previous owner of the title, Sorcerer Supreme, kind of broke down time travel and timelines to Bruce Banner when he was trying to get the Infinity Stone. That whole sequence, I'm glad that there was a visual aid to it, but I could see how that sequence can kind of be a little convoluted because if you're talking about going back to specific points in history and not changing anything that it will create further branches for time travel well then what happens as far as when loki initially takes right the, right takes the tesseract there's no explanation for that although we know that cap fights himself he uses the staff to erase the other cap's mind but for instance when cap decides to live a full life with becky carter at the end we don't know what happened to mjolnir that's gone he was able to get his shield back to and give that to Sam, which I thought was a good, which I thought was a good sequence. But because he lived a full life with Becky, does that mean that he had to just live with the fact that he knew who was going to die, all the bad things that were going to happen and not say anything, especially given his character and him directly saying either in this movie or previous movies that when he sees a problem, he has to fix it. He can't just stay silent. So in that way, it was a bit of a contradiction of his character. I mean, also the relationship with Peggy Carter. A lot of it is based on her losing Captain America in the 40s. So Captain America goes back in time, returns everything. Let's even say he returns Mjolnir to Asgard. Let's just say he does all of that. As you pointed out, there's still the plot hole of him living an entire life with Peggy Carter. So he is screwed up some timeline out there. So then the, the question becomes of whether or not the, the timeline with Peggy losing Cap, does that just become another branch off of the main timeline since Cap is back as an old man and no longer Captain America? Or I think there's an idea I have for that we'll get into at the very end dealing with after the wrap-up of the movie. So... I guess we can keep on going with different cons, but I, I can get back to an idea I have for that later on in the, in the episode. All right. So once again, back to the whole time travel, creating problems in the present or future. It's going to be really interesting to see how they build up Spider-Man Homecoming, the upcoming Black Panther and Doctor Strange movies, because the next Spider-Man movie is supposed to take place during a school field trip that Peter Parker's on. Now, it's been five years since then. Are, and he's still in high school. Are we just supposed to accept that everyone in his little group got erased during the first one and then they just re-enrolled into school and they're going to act like nothing happened? Well, no, I, I think you kind of confused it. So... The next movie takes place after Avengers Endgame. And for the people who got erased, they have no memory of it. They literally just come back as if and just have no idea that five years have gone past. So for all of them, they would just show back up in school like nothing's happened. And they were just going to be made aware by the world at large that they've been gone for five years. So age-wise, they're, they're, the, they're still the same and all that kind of stuff. So the world just eventually just learns to deal with that fact and move on as cap would say and i and i i really get that but in order for it to happen just like that him 
uh, his chubby friend, MJ, the dude that was harassing him at school, they would have all had to get erased, come back to this world. So we're set five years in the future because that's when Endgame takes place. It's five years in the future. Or that's the present state, rather. So they just go to school and they pick up from there. That's all nice and good and everything. But it still, to me, convolutes the story going forward. That also means, going to Black Panther, that Wakanda hasn't had a king in five years. Because I believe Shuri and T'Challa got erased. Which could be an interesting story, right? We don't know what happened in those five years, if anybody else on the council got a race, which there are storylines that deal with Black Panther being excommunicated as the Black Panther. So, yeah, so I guess we'll have to wait to see. But the same could be made of why it seems like all the original Avengers, none of them got erased. So it there, when you, I think that's one of those type of things when you start reading into it too much. Yeah, it could this, the entire premise could fall apart. Yeah, and maybe that's what I'm doing with that. And, you know, let's see how they play it out before I get into the whole, oh, they messed this up, they messed that up. Um, One thing that did happen that I won't let go is Clint Barton turning into a psychopath Batman samurai and everyone just being completely okay with it. Well, do you think they were okay or did the ends justify the means? Because, I mean, at this point, they all watch Thor behead Thanos without an issue. I don't... The uh, the Mar, uh, the Avengers aren't like Justice League. Justice League has a strict no-killing policy. The Avengers don't. Remember, Cap was shooting people and killing people in the 40s. <laughs> yeah, but that was war. Like... This is it? <laughs> ha- no, Hawkeye was going around... Shooting up the cartel and the Yakuza. He was just going around killing people because they were hunting him down, trying to stop him before they even knew there was a solution. It's just, let's find him so we can stop him from, you know, just killing everyone. Then they find him. Well, though, remember, War Machine did tell her, are you sure you want to find him? Black Widow was the only person really looking for him at that point because he kind of disappeared. Because of the loss of his family. And turning into Ronan. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, There's clearly something deeper going on with Hawkeye at this point. But eh, it happens. You know, sometimes you lose your family and you go on a killing spree. Welcome back to the team. Like no one else had this much of a break. I don't know. That was one of those things I just kind of let go. Because I mean I figured while everybody else has some type of set piece or something to hold on to. He wasn't with the Avengers when all this happened, so he didn't really have a chance to be sat down and explained anything. For him, he's just with his family, and all of a sudden they're just gone. And there wasn't really any talk of them finding him to see what was going on. Like I said, I understand that we need as many people as we can, but at some point, Clint needs some kind of psychiatric evaluation. And I feel that there was no repercussions for his actions. I guess he lost Black Widow, if you want to consider that it, but... But, I mean, hey, it's 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 the Nazis and the zombies. Nobody cares when gangsters get killed, so, I mean... Cartel, Yakuza, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I 
the time travel for me was probably the biggest thing that kind of left a eh, well, and I, I have to admit that I kind of, for the sake of the story, kind of went on along with it. One thing, I guess going back to the pros that I did like a lot that I think we kind of brushed over was Thor being overweight. And <laughs> when you think of back to when you think back to Thor Ragnarok, like speaking of these movies getting darker, like they mentioned, I think in a, a callback when they mentioned in Infinity War, Thor has lost his father, he has lost his mother, pretty much has lost the brother that he had an off and on relationship with, but they were getting back to a good spot before the snap had lost Asgard, a good chunk of his people. Then the snap happens, loses half of those people. Thor's gone through some stuff. Also caught those hands too. Yeah, and caught those hands. So, well, no, well, he didn't really. Well, at the the first time, yeah, but he got there too late to kill Thanos. For a lot of people, he was the reason the snap happened because because of his pride, he wanted Thanos to suffer, so he hit him in the chest instead of in the head. And it make it made sense that he would be essentially just strung out and kind of just fat and not really doing anything when they saw him. And I thought that was a, a really great sequence. And I don't know, I just I like I like that aspect of it. The fact that he gave that over to Valkyrie to go to be with the Guardians of the Galaxy, which I think is going to be a great ensemble movie. <laughs> I think they'll cut him out of it pretty quick because uh, Loki is now around with a whole infinity stone yeah that's a nice that's a nice little uh get out of jail free card that they can use to change things in the future because we don't know how much further thor is going to be part of the universe but before we get to that let's get to the wrap-up we don't have any direct specific pros and cons anymore uh no um that's pretty much everything i wanted to to touch on um i already talked about the the development of the Captain America character when he's literally fighting himself from eight years ago. And the... Ah, yeah. I really like the scene where he's in the elevator surrounded by the undercover Hydra agents. And <laughs> he does the Hail Hydra whisper. Just a shout out to the internet. And of course the end is after Tony has a very good section where he says, I am Iron Man. And essentially undoes, well, no, essentially kills off everybody in Thanos' army. And just, I think that was a, another, speaking of another good set piece where Thanos, compared to a lot of other villains who would be screaming or be upset, just calmly accepts his defeat and disappears to dust. And the long-term damage that that does to Tony is you can't essentially repair it. And he ends up dying and you have a really good scene where everybody involved with the movies there to witness the funeral, including Nick Fury. And I think that was just a good send-off. I felt like there was something meta about that where it wasn't just really the movie, it was everybody just kind of closing that chapter of Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And essentially that chapter of... that generation, if you will, of the MCU, when you think about it, Thor is in space, so he's pretty much the only person left. Hulk's arm is busted up from using the Infinity Gauntlet. He might recover. He might not. So we can count Hulk out. Steve Rogers is old. Iron Man is dead. 
Black Widow's dead. I really see Clint being more of a family man than sneaking out to save the world from now. So really, you only have Thor and the Hulk left and a completely new guard of Avengers coming in. So that was a really passing of, I was going to say passing the gauntlet. Is that the term? Passing the gauntlet? Passing of the guard. Passing of the guard. There we go. I was stuck on the infinity gauntlet. I, I thought that was a good scene showing everyone. I'm even surprised they got Natalie Portman to appear for three seconds. Yeah. From what I understand, there were some contract issues and she wasn't in any more Thor movies. But I guess there was some clause in there where, no, you're going to finish out this series. We don't care if you say nothing. Get prodded by a raccoon if you need to. Yeah. All in all. I definitely plan on seeing this again because I know that there is so much that I've missed just trying to keep up with the plot and the pace of the movie, which although it moved fast after probably the first 45 minutes, I was able to keep up with. But I was thoroughly impressed with the amount of plot points that they were able to put together. And I guess getting into that, where does Marvel go from here, Christian? We have Spider-Man Homecoming in July. There's about three movies a year for Marvel. And this is what we have possibly Black Panther 2 or maybe in 2021. They're pretty, being pretty nebulous about it. There's a Guardians of the Galaxy 3 happening. More than likely a Marvel, Captain Marvel 2. And everything else is pretty much in the dark after that. Where does Marvel go from here? Well, maybe with the Dark Phoenix movie coming out soon. They'll be able to integrate the timelines. That's pretty much a long shot, but Disney has acquired a lot of properties over the last few years, so there's room to bring the X-Men. I saw a rumor, even, that said that there would be an X-Men versus the Avengers movie in the works they might reboot the Fantastic Four. The the ability for them to reboot the Fantastic Four is in there. Plus, Deadpool can break the fourth wall anyway. What's to stop him from showing up in an Avengers movie? That is true. Adding on to potential film products, so we talked about there's been talk about a Black Widow movie when examining her past. Uh, Eternals, for people who don't know, if, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy two, when he talked about the Celestials creating planets. Celestials gave birth to the Eternals on Earth. Of course, we mentioned a Doctor Strange sequel, a Black Panther sequel, and also Shang-Chi, who they've already been working on a script, and it will be the first Marvel movie uh, starring an Asian character, which could be very interesting, could be something that we wanted to see in Iron Fist. And, of course, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and Ant-Man and Wasp sequel. Also, Blade... Reportedly, they've been working on a script for Blade, and they have the rights to Blade now. The rights have been reverted back to Marvel, so that's a possibility of something in the future. Okay, I'm also seeing that there's um, a possibility of a Loki movie, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier. That could actually be really good. Right. And I would like to see a movie of Falcon adjusting to the Captain America mantle. 
I really thought they were going to put it on Bucky. Seeing as he's physically the closer one to being able to do what Captain America can do versus the Falcon. I mean, he's got his own like costume and skill set versus Captain America. Yeah, it's what made it when it happened in the comics because there was a period where Bucky was Cap and there's also a period in the comics where Sam Wilson was Cap and the interesting note for when Falcon becomes Captain America is of course he's not a super soldier and he's a lot more able to get hurt than Cap was and just learning everything that came with dealing with the shield and dealing with the mantle and feeling if he was worthy enough there was just a really good story there so I like Anthony Mackie as an actor and I definitely felt like he had a good part to play in this movie when he came through and was able to fight and uh, take out quite a few of Thanos' army. I think that could be a really good storyline. Yeah, especially if they can insert more Iron Man tech into it. Right. So, from here, I think Marvel goes a lot more cosmic. Kind of foreshadowed in Captain Marvel. She's been out there helping hundreds of other worlds. I think that this is going to be our way of opening up into just seeing how massive the outer space aspect of Marvel is. And because we don't know how Captain Marvel, uh, Captain America tweaked the timeline, there are quite a few things that can be done. Maybe introducing the internals. Uh, there is a comic book. In the comic books, there is a... So you have S.H.I.E.L.D. on Earth. SWORD is for space, the Strategic World Organization Response Directive or something along those lines that Captain Marvel is actually in charge of. They deal with everything space-related coming to Earth. Maybe he de- maybe he mentions something like that to S.H.I.E.L.D. early on and they create something. Not to mention there's also a universe where there is no Thanos. True. Actually, yeah, so since Thanos goes into the future from the 2009, what happens in that branch... That goes after that goes after yeah. There's there's so much stuff that, they, that like you mentioned because of time travel you you can do a lot of stuff. Yeah, but that's all. I have to say, I I don't like when time travel is used just because it opens a lot of possibilities, but it also kind of that's where we start getting logistical nightmares. But I think overall this did open up more possibilities than it did create issues yeah and plus i like the fact that they had to live with their decision they didn't reverse everything from happening i think it would have been way worse if they just would have reversed everything before the snap so i like i do like the fact that they'd have to live with the fact that everything happened but yeah i don't know who takes control who, who, who takes leadership of the avengers now that cap is gone and iron man is gone Ooh, a power vacuum Because Logic would say that Falcon would be in charge of the Avengers if you consider Captain America the leader of the Avengers. But Tony Stark was really the leader of the Avengers. Yeah, it's kind of like Tony was the financer and maybe overall the CEO and Cap was more so the field team leader. When they're out in the field, everybody, including Iron Man, took orders from Cap. He was the moral center, but 
I really have to say that it was more of an Iron Man project. He put everyone together. Like you said, he financed everything. And a lot of what they did was only accomplished through Iron Man. Like, you can't discount Captain America's resolve. But I think that actually does set up a new a new story. If there's going to be an Avengers 4, is... Anthony Mackie's Falcon going to be the leader? Are they going to go by seniority? Because Clint could come back. The Hulk could come back. Especially if he's a Bruce Banner Hulk fusion. Um, Rhodey actually might even have a claim to that. <laughs> yeah, so that makes it a very interesting story. Because we had Civil War where people were kind of taking sides as far as the government and whatnot. Now you may have a bit more of an internal thing of who rightfully gains leadership. What if Carol Danvers decides to take a more active role? You know, Nick Fury's back. They may build S.H.I.E.L.D. back up into something else and they want a representative in those interests. In fact, I would love to see the conversation between Nick Fury and and Captain Marvel because they haven't seen each other in so long. What does that situation look like, especially when she tells him, how much of a an influence the outer space has on everything going on now. Yeah. And like you said earlier with Captain Marvel having spent so much time away from Earth, what else could she have possibly been dealing with that Thanos wasn't on her radar? So there's a lot of possibilities out there for them going forward. Where they don't even need the Fox properties, but that is an important caveat that they do have the Fox properties that they can roll over into it. Silver Surfer and Galactus especially. Okay, so I do have a question for you. Would you rather them integrate X-Men, the current X-Men roster and storyline into the current MCU, or would you like a reboot of the X-Men? Or just leave them separate? I'd want a reboot, but I wouldn't want an origin story. I think that, kind of like how they handled Peter Parker and giving his origin story with, with his Uncle Ben and everything, you can explain that in the introduction of the film and move on. Because Cap has changed the timeline, Mutants could have been there all along, but maybe dealing with the snap, dealing you know with the cosmic energy from the snap or some other explanation that they can find, it's activated the mutant gene and now people are manifesting in a way that they weren't before. The Hulk does mention the amount of gamma radiation that goes off when the snap happens. Right. So that could be what causes the mutation. True. So there, there's really, I guess, from all this talk of where Marvel goes from here, they can really go anywhere. There's a, you know, no pun intended. I mean, like time travel, the possibilities are really endless. You do realize when you say no pun intended and then you make a pun that it's intended at that point, right? It's like saying, excuse me, after I burp, it's going to happen. <laughs> But, uh, no, I'm really looking forward to it, especially the next few movies that are going to come out. And I do like the fact that there were consequences to everything. 
All right, that was some good Marvel talking. It, although it seems like this is, it's it's funny. You left, I left the theater, feeling like this was a kind of a closed loop, right? I started this in two thousand eight with my second favorite superhero, who at the time was probably a B, almost C level superhero as far as popularity in the comics. Now becoming one of the most famous and iconic superheroes in the world, next to Batman and Superman. And it started with Robert Downey Jr. And this whole storyline has kind of ended with him. But there's more. It, it, it makes it seem like it's very much like it's going to end. But we know it's not. Marvel right. probably already has 15 movies in the can writing scripts and stuff now. So it's kind of crazy. I mean, Wakanda has to regret their decision to integrate with the rest of the world at some point. And there's also... There's also a storyline with there being Wakanda, Wakandan people who uh, ended up expanding into space. We could see Wakanda in space. <laughs> that sounds like uh, a musical. Wakanda in space. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I guess we'll see. Running a little long. So is there anything else you have, Christian, before we wrap, wrap this bad boy up? Nah, I'm going to let it go. I could talk about this forever. And I, I think you and every other think piece will. <laughs> but Ooh, quick question. Other... Would you watch it again? Absolutely. I plan on watching it again. It might be a third time. I think I've seen, at this point, every Marvel movie twice, except for maybe like the first Thor movie. I've seen all the Avengers movies three times. I don't know. That's 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 a thick movie, but I'm I'm really done this time. I'm done. Okay. Well, for everybody listening, thank you for hearing out our thoughts on Avengers Endgame. I would say, and I I would just go ahead and say that Christian will probably say that eleven years and this is worth it. So we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. We hope you like the talk on Avengers Endgame. Follow at length on SoundCloud and on Google Play, iTunes, and Spotify, and on Twitter at at length Series. Join in the conversation, critique us, or even just share what you're thinking in general. Thanks for joining us this week as we talked at length.